Welcome to Guns, Knives, and Lipstick, the podcast where four female crime fiction authors explore the delights, disasters, and demands of the publishing journey and chat with those who share that journey with us. We're your hosts, Carrie Peresta, C.L. Tolbert, Mally Becker, and Liz Miller. Join us as we chat with some of our favorite authors and go behind the scenes of their writing lives. So let's get to it, shall we? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Guns, Knives, and Lipstick. I am Liz Miller. I am Carrie Peresta. I am Cynthia Tolbert. And I'm Mally Becker. And today we are visiting with author Amy Young, author of The Water Tower. So let me read a little bit about her, her from her biography. Amy Young, author of The Water Tower, received her BA in English from Kenyon College. Growing up in Bay Village, Ohio, Amy could most often be found with her nose buried in a book and was particularly fond of Nancy Drew, Sweet Valley High, oh, Sweet Valley High, and the Babysitter's Club. She always had a flair for the dramatic and has worked as an actress in many stage productions and a few TV shows, although she never got to be a Bond girl like Josie. When oh. not writing, Amy enjoys drinking red wine and binging on reality TV shows with her husband, pup, and many, many cats. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. I'm Welcome, so Amy. Thanks. Yeah, I was going to say Sweet Billy High and the Babysitter's Club. You must be, uh, you, well, you grew, obviously you grew up in the 80s. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm young and Gen X, so. Yeah, I, I remember, I'm Gen X. I remember Sweet Billy High and the Baby's Club, Babysitter's Club. I had all the books. Yep. And then my sister drew in a lot of them and you know, they never, I was very, always very sad about that. I think my mom just got rid of them. I think she sold them somewhere. And I, I'm so upset that she did that because oh. when I got back to Cleveland, I just moved back here from LA. I wanted them. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so I'll have to just, you know, start buying them again, I guess. You know, it's it's crazy. My husband gave away, I feel the same way. My husband gave away all my Nancy Drews. Ah. And it was the same thing. It was like, why? What? Wait, no, you weren't mm. supposed to do that. Oh man, I hang on to my kids' stuff forever. I've just, you know, eventually they'll want it. That was so I just hang on to a, it. Yeah. You gotta apparently you've gotta hide all the interest, all the stuff you really want to keep. It just needs to go in a box and you need to hide it really well right. from both well-intentioned parents and well-intentioned spouses. The problem is forgetting where you've hidden it because you've hidden it so well. well or yes. if you move, you may never find it again. So it's true. This is true. But other than that, or you'll discover it and it'll be a whole pleasurable thing. Yeah. but but Amy enough about us yes enough about us although you know she started us off on Sweet Valley High so I hold her that little bit is responsible um so the water tower which is your debut is it not your first it book? is it is my debut we, we applaud for you way to go girl big accomplishment thank you so tell us about the water tower how would you describe this book and its themes in a couple of sentences basically what's your elevator pitch I'm so bad at that, but so The Water Tower is technically a cozy mystery, but I think that it feels more like a thriller because it's kind of dark 
and um, it takes place in the autumn, which is my favorite time of the year. Everything kind of culminates on Halloween. Um, so there's a very, I don't know if any of you are familiar with like fall in Ohio, but it's, it can get really cold and, you know, the, the time change is coming up and it just, um, it, it's, it's a very specific feeling for me. The clouds get very heavy. So um, it, it gets a little bit dark, but um, it came from, I, I originally started it, I think as so many authors do in one place, and then it ended in some place completely different for me. Um, it started as more of a uh, kind of like Pretty Little Liars type of a book where I was mm -hmm. gonna focus on the girls. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, Josie came to me who is the amateur sleuth. Um, and so it just it just evolved from there. I really like the Josie character. Thank you. You wondered, I mean, I know that you're an actress as Josie was and all that, and, and uh, Mary mentioned that. But um, are there any other similarities between your main character, Josie, and yourself? Um, I, I think that personality wise, um, she and I are, are quite similar. I, I, she was pretty close to my heart as I was writing her. Although I think that my personality um, kind of branches off into her other three friends as well. They were very um, specifically crafted to kind of sit in a niche of a personality. And um, I had a group of girlfriends that, that were like that in high school and we were all still in touch. So um, I kind of brought a little bit of that experience in as well. Um, plus, I mean, I know what it's like to work on a TV set. I was never anywhere near like as successful as, as Josie is, but I know what those long days on set are like and, and what it's like to have to prepare for that and work you know, months at a time, just 16 hour days doing that. So there are little elements of myself in her, um, but her name is from my grandmother who passed away while I was writing it. It took me, I, I put the book aside for a while and then I um, finished it during the quarantine, but my, my grandmother passed in around, I think it was like 2016. Um, so I ended up naming the the main character in the book after her. Her name was Josephine. Oh, that's so sweet. So if I understand you correctly, did you start this book as like women's fiction and then it morphed into suspense? Yeah, no, I think I started it more as, a, I always wanted it to be a mystery. Okay. And that first chapter is the first thing that I wrote. That is what came to me first. And I loved it, your it, first chapter. Thank you very much. The water it, tower it, chapter. It was gripping. Thank you. Thank you. It mm -hmm. just kind of, I, you know, it could have gone in many directions. And I started going in one direction with the girls. But as I said, it just felt more natural to go in this other, down this other path with, with the um, teacher investigating, you know, the, the death of the, the her, her student. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the last line of your first chapter was one of the best hooks I've ever read. It's really, really grabbed me. Thank Remind you. us what that was. I can't remember. Um, it was, she was dead. She was dead before she hit the ground. Yeah. We yeah, all that was remembered good. it. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I, obviously it made an impact on everybody. Yeah. But where did it come from, Amy? Where where did you, what was the spark that that made you write that first chapter? Um, I think I always knew that I wanted to deal somewhat with the fentanyl epidemic that is happening everywhere now. And um, so I knew that that was kind of going to, going to be involved. And I also knew that it could, the way that it works, it just, it works so fast that that was the thing that could, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> kill you before you hit the ground if you fell. So I, I always knew that I wanted that to be an, an element of kind of the mystery in there was like, if, if she died before she hit the ground, how did she die? Did she die up there? Did she die, you know, while she was falling? Did she have a heart attack? Like there are so many things that could have happened in that short span of time. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I always knew that I wanted that to be a focus in the beginning. And it's revealed very quickly. Um, you know, the investigation progresses pretty quickly as far as the, um, what some of the, I don't want to, give yeah, away don't, much, no spoilers, like, spoilers. Some, of the, some of the, uh, issues are, so it, it, it dives into it pretty fast. See, I always took that before I knew what happened with the drugs. I always took it as metaphorically, emotionally, she was dead before she hit the ground. She was already there. Yeah, that's how that's how I took it. So it was very nuanced. I mean, okay. it could go several ways. That's interesting. I, I I can see how you would read that. I hadn't thought about it that way, but um, I can see it because of the way that she's talking in that first chapter about, yes. you know, yeah. she doesn't want to be stuck in this town. And how does she get out? Mm -hmm. it, you know, maybe she was already done. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Hmm. So, so you did mention the, the fentanyl, the opioids, um, and that you always wanted that, you know, you wanted this to be part of your book. Um, was there a particular reason for that? Like is something personal or did you just a compelling concept or what was it about that, that drew you it, in? It wasn't something personal. I just, I remember reading these articles about things that were happening particularly in the Midwest where people were overdosing and, and there were some really heartbreaking stories about, you know, a, a child being in like the backseat of a car while their, their parents were up front in the overdose and, and things like that. And I just, it's, it was something that I wanted to touch on, but not kind of sensationalize because it's, it, it it's enough in, right. in what it is. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to use it just to bring more, um, maybe awareness to it, just in case there were people, I, like I said, I started writing it back in, in 2013. So it hadn't quite blown up as to as big of a problem as it, it did. And I think um, the settlement just happened with the one company that was distributing the opioids and, and they were found responsible, but um, yeah, it was something that I just kind of wanted to draw attention to because I know that it's a huge problem, particularly there are some areas in Ohio, um, you know, near where I'm from that it's it's really ravaging communities. I was born in Ohio um, oh. and lived there till I was seven. So I, I came south, but I, 
little, I have a little part of Ohio in, in me. My father was from Ohio too. But yes, my, I thought, oh, sorry, Cindy, go ahead, keep going. I had a friend, his daughter um, got a scholarship, a ballet scholarship to UCLA or someplace out, out on the West Coast. And somehow her boyfriend got her addicted to heroin and mm. she died because the heroin was laced with fentanyl. I mean, it just banned. That was it. It was so tragic. And she was such a gorgeous, brilliant little girl, you know? Yeah. And before I left LA, there was a, a something that happened at one of the high schools there where I think it was five kids bought some sort of a pill from someone and they all died because it was, and it takes so little of this drug yes. mm -hmm. to really just ruin uh, your life and, and it can kill you so quickly. So um, yeah, I've heard and, police officers say they, they have to be careful with touching it because if they oh, just yeah. Right. Right. yeah. Right. So the and blue also, pills is fentanyl always in little blue pills. Is that yeah. the common carrier? I don't it could be in anything, I guess. Yeah, it can be in liquid form. It can be in powder form. I, I, I chose the little blue pills because I did some research and I, that was, um, one of the forms that I saw, but it's, it can honestly come in so many forms. And I remember another one of the reasons that I used it was I, I was talking to my friend who's a school psychologist and he told me he has to keep Narcan in his desk. Oh, sure. Um, oh, sure. With a which bunch is of students. the, you know, the anti antidote, I guess, to it, to stop the overdose. And I was so alarmed by that mm -hmm. um, because he's he was working with high school and middle school kids at the time. I couldn't believe that they had to go to that measure to, to keep something like that in their drawers. And I think that that's becoming more common as yes, time it's horrible. goes on. Yeah. yeah. My so brother... My brother is a guidance counselor in a school, high school in Virginia, and they had a student not that long ago smoked a joint that was laced with fentanyl and oh. start, you know, I start, you know, good academics on sports teams, just thought she was going to try marijuana and that was it. But That's who terrifying. are the people that are lacing fentanyl? I mean, it's so, so, so toxic. But it makes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But does it get you high? I mean, we're yes. going far afield and now. Yeah, we're going really. I mean, we're, we're, I mean we do that a lot. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Amy, I don't know if you found this out, but that's the thing, isn't it? That it yeah, enhances it the high. You, it gets you really high. I think I had my gallbladder removed. I think it was 2016. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I was administered some of it in the hospital because oh my lord given morphine and morphine the morphine wasn't working it was not there was something going on where the pain was so awful and i remember them giving this drug to me and just it felt like everything lifted just like this cloud of pain wow. just went away mm. and it, i mean it doesn't last forever i had you know obviously but i remember thinking in that moment oh, I understand why people get addicted to this because it, oh. it just mm -hmm. kind of took away all my pain. Wow. Yeah, they gave it to me after I dislocated my elbow last night. Oh, November I didn't know it was used I, in hospitals. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah, and, and it, it did. It got rid of the pain very quickly. It didn't last very long, probably because they gave me such a small They must dip. dilute it yeah. greatly, though. Yeah. Oh, you know, my gosh. Yeah, 
I anyway, I was sorry. glad that was Barbell. that was the core of, of your book um, because fentanyl maybe th three to five years ago was on every television station across the country, but it's it's old news, and um, there are fewer reminders out there unless you live in one of those communities in Ohio or a lot of those communities in a lot of places where um, you know it's still taking people out left and right. So, so good on you. Thank you. Yeah. It's unfortunately it's, it's one of those things that I think we're becoming numb to, like you hear about these things in the news and some of them are just becoming so common that it's like, Oh, it happened again. And then you move yeah. on with your day, but it's affecting so many people. Yeah. yeah. So you you said and I want to go back to something you said earlier. So one of the things we like to talk about is is writing journeys, and you said you always knew you wanted this to be a mystery. Um, when you said thought to yourself, "Hey, I'm going to write a book," was it always mystery? What and why mysteries? It was always mystery, and I. I have read a lot in my adult life. I think particularly after I turned 30, I started reading a lot of mysteries and thrillers. That's what really kind of started to speak to me. And um, I remember I was listening to, cause I was living in Los Angeles. So I was in my car like 90% of my day, I felt like. So I was listening to The Women's Murder Club, um, which is a James Patterson series and that I, that mm -hmm. I really liked. Um, and I loved the the female friendships in that. And I loved the way he he kind of weaves tales in. Um, so I knew I, I wanted to try my hand at a mystery, but I also knew that I didn't some of some of that stuff gets really, really dark. <laughs> and um I didn't want to go quite so um gory and um and dark with it. So that's why I started kind of thinking about more the Nancy Drew type of mysteries that are, you know, they, they deal with some serious topics in some of them, but they're a lot lighter than some of the mysteries and thrillers, you know, that, that are out these days. Um, and I think that in a lot of respects, it's because a, a lot of people have become numb to um, like violence and, and, things that are used as a, uh, a device. I just think we've been, we've seen so much of it in the movies and on television. And um, so I wanted to steer away from the violence a little bit and just focus more on the story. You, you said you started writing this book in 2013. So you were you were working full-time as an actress then or I was working yeah I I did some copywriting I was working I did a few tv shows um during that time it really like when you're living in LA and trying to work as an actor you just kind of piece together work so I was just doing a lot of contract work um and I set the book aside for a you know periods of time. I would set it aside for six months and then come back to it. I would set it aside for a year. And then finally, um, when the pandemic hit, I lost all of my streams of income. 
Um, so I sat down and I was like, I am going to finish this now. Um, but yes, I had been working, I, you know, I was an actress, I was doing proofreading and editing and copywriting and um, blog writing and all just all kinds of different things while I was in Los Angeles. Very creative work. Yeah. And you're also a comedian, which I, I find. Comedian. And you won a contest or was one of the runner-ups or a, a na nationwide contest, right? I did. I was uh, I was the runner up in um, gosh the national comedy the national comedy contest. It's it's run by a a manager, a talent manager. So it was one of the things that was cool about being stuck at home <laughs> is that comedy turned online. So Zoom shows oh, yeah. were really really popular. So I got to meet people all over the country that I probably wouldn't have met um, because we were all kind of logging into the same shows and the same mics and doing the same things. And so um, I think that, that that's one of those, that contest was one of those things that I might not have found had <laughs> not been for being stuck at home. But um, yeah, that was really cool to, to come in so close to first on that. <laughs> Are, are you still doing comedy online? Um, I don't do comedy online. I do it live now. So I, oh, I, I don't do it online. I just do it. I do it. At, I I just, <laughs> there's not as much, there's not as much Zoom comedy, I think, going yeah. on anymore. Got it. Um, so I, I just started to go out in Cleveland and kind of make my way into the scene here. I just moved back to Cleveland in November. So um, I'm trying to just get my feet wet a little. Oh, just in time for an Ohio winter. <laughs> yes. yes. I find that impressive because I couldn't do comedy to save my life. Oh, me either. So I would die on stage. I, I'm just, just thinking the yin and yang of uh, comedy and murder. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's two very distinct sides of my personality <laughs> well but how my question i'm dying to ask is how does um acting comedy comedy which is like a subgenre of acting right yeah. and how does that translate to writing how do you incorporate that into your process is it pivotal in in your writing um I think it is, but not because my writing is funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't pick up on a lot of humor uh, in the story. Not a lot of humor in, in, I don't want people to think like this is going to be a funny mystery. It's not. Um, but it does help with, um, I think, dialogue. I, I think it, I think being an actor. Yes, I can see that. Writing dialogue. Sure. And also, when you write comedy, it's all your own stuff. I mean, unless you have somebody writing for you, you know, you get really big and, and you can, you know, hire people to write some of your jokes, but um, you have to be able to write, you know, eight minutes of material, 10 minutes of material, 30 minutes of material. So it really does go hand in hand because the writing experience is there mm. uh, in stand up comedy. It's just a different type of writing. Oh, a little clip of Very cool comedic clip yeah. and I thought it was sort of character based too 
that you develop characters in your comedy, from what I could tell. Um, somewhat, yeah. I mean, there there are certain things like if I'm I, I do impressions of my husband that are completely not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and how does he feel about those? People meet him and they're like, oh, we expected you to be like a dumb stoner. And he's not. He's very well spoken and you know he's lovely, but I I I work within my own limitations as far as being able to imitate people. And I also don't want, you know, to try to be like super accurate with someone and just like completely miss it and offend them. So whenever I do develop a character for the comedy set, it's usually not um not close to what they are because first of all you have to heighten everything and second of all it's just easier to make them something a little bit different than they are so that they don't feel like you're um meanly poking fun at them right and Talk you know they, they're in on the joke talking about her husband's saying <laughs> no, you're not old enough to remember that <laughs> well you know that that's that's kind of interesting. Did you do the same thing in in your mystery? Did you take pieces of people you knew and put them into different characters? Yeah, I did. Um, I I think that I took all of the best qualities of the people that I knew and kind of stuck them into different characters. I mean, the ones, you know, the nice characters, not the, not the villains of the story. Yeah, see, my but, favorite is the bad parts of people and stuffing it into my characters. <laughs> yeah, the, the bad, you know, the bad people are just, I think that they come from different experiences that you have and that you're exposed to. So I'm sure that those come from real people that I've encountered. Um, I just think I have a harder time pinpointing that because when I'm describing, uh, you know, one of the characters that I, I kind of is, is more of a protagonist character, it's, it's a little bit easier to be like, oh, this, this comes from this person and she's like this. So I'm just going to like heighten it there. And um, yeah, the bad characters, it's harder for me to like pinpoint exactly what it is that like who it is that I'm I'm finding um that character from we are so Aaron, the character you need of Amber's mother then <laughs> yeah the, the character of Amber's mother then who yes. is a very strong-willed woman but she's not very nice so you don't actually know anybody like or do you know anybody like that um I mean I think I've been exposed to a lot of people like Emily's um I think that she is she's not a caricature but i think that she's um some of the worst things that i've observed in people who are just filthy rich mm -hmm. <laughs> and i think that that's where she kind of comes from and and that's where her coldness with like her children is and um i i can think of a couple of people that i i loosely wrapped into her character mm -hmm. don't don't you love writing villains oh yeah that's yeah. i i i still can't figure out what's so much fun about it but what do you what do you think i mean i think you get to let 
yourself really fly with any of the darkest thoughts or ideas that you have in the villains. It's like playing them on stage. Like you just get to be this awful thing and and you get to kind of be that when you're writing it in your books. I mean, you you get to walk away from it though. And that's the beautiful part about it is that you can channel all of your anger or whatever you're feeling about you know the day you can put that into the villain and then you can walk away from it it's almost like like journaling in a way where you're just like putting it all out there and then you're like all right and now I get to go be you know my nice self (laughs) (laughs) revel in bad behavior so speaking of characters, when I was reading the book, by the way, something I was going to say, by the way, since I grew up in Western New York and I now live in Southwestern Pennsylvania, yes, I got your your Halloween. You did a really good job with that setting. I'm going to put that out there too. Thank you. I know exactly what that is. Um, but speaking of characters, when I was reading the book, it struck me that Amber and Josephine are both characters who want to be somewhere else. Like you start the book and Amber clearly doesn't want to be in Ohio anymore. Josephine was in LA. She doesn't want to be in LA. So she goes back to Ohio, but then she's not sure she wants to stay in Ohio either. So did you intend to have that similarity? And do you think that that similarity appeals to people on a broader uh, sense, that desire to be somewhere other than where you are? I think that it does. I mean, I think that a lot of people think that getting out of a geographical location will somehow fix whatever they're feeling that's wrong in their life. And I remember growing up in a smaller town like Amber, feeling kind of the way that she did, like, I just can't wait to get out of here. You know, I can't wait to go and do big things and and live my life and I'm never coming back here. And then I went and I lived in other places. (laughs) And now I'm back in a small town in Ohio because (laughs) It, you know, that's, that's where maybe I belong, but I think that, you know, had Amber grown, gotten to grow up, she might've ended up, um, like Josie, where she ended up in a big city and doing something, you know, bigger than she could have imagined for herself in the smaller town, or she might not have, you know, she might've grown up and realized that she wanted to stay where she was. But I think that a lot of kids that grow up in smaller towns just really want to get away and then some of them realize it works for them and some of it doesn't but I don't think that that feeling of thinking that a different geography will solve your problems is unique to me I think that a lot of people experience that I agree with that yeah and did you intend so Amber did you intend for that similarity to be between Amber and Josephine? That's yeah. if I change my geography, I'll, ch- I'll fix my problems. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I absolutely intended for there to be a little bit of a parallel between them because, you know, Josie grew up where Amber was. So it's, she, she looks at her and kind of sees herself 15 years earlier and, and she can see it and Amber probably can see you know, a future that she might have liked to have if she had gotten to live. So I think that they're they're on parallel tracks in a way. 
So when, so we've all, you know, you read the book and the book is over. What do you, what's the feeling you want to leave your reader with when they're done with, they're done and they close that cover? What's the, what do you want having to go through their mind? I want them to say, Ooh, I want to know more. <laughs> I want them to walk away and be like, I want to know what happens next. Um, that was, that was kind of the feeling that I was going for in the last, the last pages and the last pages took me a, several rewrites. You know, I think that that's something that, that we can all, um, sympathize with <laughs> Sometimes you have to rewrite it again and again. And that, that went through many iterations, um, before I landed where I did, but I, I want the story to continue into the second book. And so I would love for people to walk away being like, I love this world. I love this, this main character and I want to know more. I like you, That's great. You, you set up the second book pretty well, if I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it leads well into what goes on next. Okay. Cindy, were you going to say something? No, I was just commenting on Sean. I sort of like the tension between the two. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that um, I discussed pretty extensively with my agents and the through line with with Josie and Sean and how it's all going to, you know, go and 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 turn out. So that'll that'll carry through, but um, yeah, yeah, I like his character. I like the Yeah. You know, if it's going to be how many books it's going to be, or you're just going to kind of let it go with the flow. I'm going to let it go with the flow. It's got uh, level best has it has three signed right now. So okay. there will be at least three. Okay. Welcome to level best. Buddy. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very excited so, to be there. So is your next project book two? No. So ah. I had this idea jump into my brain um, last May. And I did my own um, kind of NaNoWriMo for that month. And I wrote a first draft of a thriller. So I am in the editing process with that. And that'll be the next thing that goes off to my agent. And then I will start writing the second book in the Josie series. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so that sounds wonderful. I'm sorry, Cindy, what were you saying? Excuse my dog whines in the background. He's 15, he can't hear and he can't see. And he's oh, oh poor baby. All the time. So what I want to know is how many cats do you have, Amy? Yeah, what does many, many mean? <laughs> I have six cats. Oh. And I had a dog. She passed away actually last summer. So that part of my bio, I need to take it out. Um, she, she had cancer and that was a, a whole thing. I know that that happens to a lot of dogs. So that was, that was hard. Um, but the cats are all, you know, making up, <laughs> trying to fill the void. We, my husband and I, when we moved from LA to Cleveland, we did so in an RV with all of these cats. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. Oh my gosh. Wow. It was interesting. It was less painful than I expected. I just, well, yeah. I just think about the litter boxes because you've got to have several, are they indoor cats? They are. Yeah. I have, um, 
fortunately, when when I moved, you know, real estate is is a lot less expensive in Ohio than it is in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, and we owned our house out there, so we were able to buy a, a larger house here. So we've got litter boxes, you know, spread out throughout the house, so everybody's happy and they're all very well trained. So we don't get, you know, anyone going outside of the litter box. That's fortunately not not an issue. <laughs> well, yeah, because my my daughter has two cats now, and she says it's one and a half litter box per cat. <laughs> So and they have to they have to have their own litter boxes too. They're very territorial. So that's no, I think we have seven. Nine, that's nine litter boxes. We seven. don't have nine. <laughs> I think we have seven um, throughout throughout the house. But yeah, you have to have a lot. I mean, and they're all they're all foster fails. Is is I I tried to foster. I was like I'm going to do something good, and I ended they're up all foster fails. <laughs> Because I can't let them go. I just don't. I'm. I. Yep. You need to be able to. Well, I get kitten fever every spring, and it just kills me. And I literally have to run to the Humane Society for a kitten fix. But I've had three cats like two times, and it ended horribly. I had to give the cats back. The cats hated each other. They hissed, and there was poop all over the house. And I mean, I'm scared to do it again. Oh I want gosh. to, but I understand the foster Amy, fail. Totally. Amy, you apparently need the t-shirt that I found. I failed foster 101. <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. I do. Uh, because I tell you what I'm really impressed about is you, you know, before we started recording, you mentioned your cat tree. Um, I haven't seen a cat. My time's closed. Oh, okay. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm really impressed. Cause I'm on a lot of Zoom meetings where the cats, they just come and go. Oh yeah. They yeah. would be they would be up in my face <laughs> <They're very laughs> if I left them in. I, I closed the door, so. My cats. very entertaining. My cats are stretched out on the floor. Felix is listening intently from the floor. My dog must be part cat because he's stretched out on the floor. Yeah, well, he is part cat. <laughs> he, he is. In a lot of ways, I think he is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, here we go. We've gotten completely off topic again. Completely. Or a change. Yeah, rigid we are. Yeah, but that, yeah. that's unique to this group. Um, so we're we're gonna go. I'm gonna take us into and let me let me scroll. Let me make sure that. Oh wait, before I do that, let's go back to your first chapter for a second because I agree. You know that first chapter. I mean, a lot of us thought it was very compelling. Um. But it is what some people might call risky because you start with an unnamed character and she's dead before the end of the chapter. So a lot of agents and editors would say, oh, that's a really risky way to start a book. Um, why did you decide to run that risk? Like what led I, you to run that risk? I think that I decided to run that risk because it was the first thing that I wrote. And I didn't know when I wrote it where exactly it was going to go. And I could have gone back and changed it to let everybody know who it was, but I liked it the way that it was. So I, I was okay with running that risk. Um, I thought it worked. Yeah, it worked. It yeah. did work. 
I, I was okay with it, but I, I understand how that could be seen as, as risky. Yeah, it's definitely a non-traditional. I mean, when you're talking to starting out writers, it's one of the things that you're told, don't do that. But it's but also very do it well. I think that a lot of movies or TV shows start exactly that way. And it may be less traditional for a book, but I think it's, you know, you probably can't help but think somewhat cinematically since you've, you know, been an actress. And I, I thought it worked. I thought it was very dramatic and worked very well. I love prologues. Yours was a chapter, but I like prologues. I've never had anybody say, oh, don't do a prologue, really. Just some people say it's unpopular. But I have started, I'll write my book and somewhere in the middle of the story, things will start crystallizing for me. And I literally pick out the grisliest thing I can from my book and put it in a prologue in the front yeah, as a hook. And it doesn't matter. It's all about the action. So it doesn't matter if that person has a name or whatever. I just want people to go, oh, and then they have to find out how that happened. So yeah. I, I love that approach personally. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it too. I just read... Um... Hidden Pieces by Mary Kalikoa. And um she does it really well in, mm -hmm. in that book. I think that it's I think it's a, a more of a thriller mm -hmm. trope than it is traditional mysteries, maybe, but I, I really like it. So um, Stephen King does it, I think. I don't like nothing. horror, but okay. as a master writer, he always opens that way. He, he okay. always has somebody in perilous, horrible, grisly trouble. <laughs> I, I've started the three of my books with dead bodies. Okay. So do I. I do the same thing. Yeah, drop them. Just drop them. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> it all depends on your subgenre. In a cozy, they say it can take a little while. If you're writing a thriller, just, just drop the body. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah. You remember um, the TV show Six Feet Under? Yes. Vaguely. They always started with the dead body, which of course they were going to tend to in their business. But I, I just really loved the way they started the show every every week. Yeah, I'm immediately intrigued and I just have to figure out the backstory. I have yeah. to find it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same. So we're gonna take you us into what I call our lightning round. Uh oh. Is <laughs> two questions. Don't think too hard about these. So the first one is, what is the last great book you read? No explanation, just author and book title. Uh, Ruth Ware's The It Girl. Excellent. Um, and I, I suspect I know the answer to this one based on your bio, but what alcoholic beverage pairs best with the water tower? Um, either a glass of red wine or a dirty martini. I knew you'd bring up the red wine, just based on your bio. Is that yeah, what Josie would drink? Lover, yeah. yeah. Is that what Josie would drink, you think, a dirty martini? I think so. I mean, that's that's one thing about her that I, I gave her. I was like, I gave her my drinks. She <laughs> those are the things that I drink. I gave those to her too. So. Mm -hmm. That well, is one of the few questions we ask everyone. That's all. Yeah, okay. we those two. Those two we yeah. get asked. Those and two. They, they result in some interesting answers. Mm -hmm. Um, it is something that I did notice when Josie gets together with her girlfriends. You know, everybody's got their um drink of choice. You know, so that's always cool. Yeah. Um, so this has been great. 
We've talked about cats. We've talked about drugs. We've gone from the highs to the lows. It's great. No pun intended um, with the female. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. See, I walk into those things. The highs to the lows. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's why I can't do comedy. Because um, <laughs> I can't think. I can't, I can't do it. Uh, where can readers find you out in the wide, wide web? Oh, readers can find me. I'm on Instagram as the Amy P. Young. I am on Facebook. Uh, I believe it's author Amy Young. Um, TikTok. I am Amy P. Young one. And Twitter, author Amy Young. I think that's all. You actually do TikTok? Or I do. do. I do TikTok. Yeah. Well, you're a comedian. Yeah. You can probably do videos. I, you know, I, I, it's all over the place. I know that people say that you should like focus on your niche. I'm too, I'm too interested in too many things. So the TikTok's all over the place. TikTok scares me. <laughs> going to leave that for other people's. Well, thank you so much for the conversation. This has been awesome. Everybody go out by the water tower. You will not be disappointed and thank you amy so much for joining us i hope uh i hope you found this as enjoyable as we did thank you so much for having me this has been lovely well then we will be with you next next month and in the meantime take it easy everyone bye thanks for listening to this episode of guns knives and lipstick like what you heard? Subscribe to us wherever you're listening and never miss an episode. And before you go, would you do us a favor? Leave us a rating or review, please. Just like with books, ratings and reviews help other listeners find us and spreads the word. Until we meet next month with a new guest, stay safe, stay well, and above all, ladies, don't forget your lipstick.